chapter 6 today. Go ahead and turn there or scroll there. Uh, Jesus' words in our text today are maybe his most famous words in our culture today. Do not judge. Maybe just alongside Philippians 4.13 when people will quote and say, I can do all things. And they don't keep quoting it when it says, through Christ, he strengthens me. So I think that a lot of times this is mis- not maybe incompletely quoted. Okay, so we'll look at that. I was invited to, you know, you know I'm on the, a board, the board of, the, of this YMCA, and I'm proud of that. And so several of us that are on the board, yeah, yeah. Uh, several of us who were on boards around the, the, the Fort Worth YMCA's were invited to like this lunch, kind of working lunch to, to meet and talk and kind of brainstorm how we can have, how the Y can have an even better impact on communities and that kind of thing, okay? And during part of the discussion, the Y wanted to talk about how can they push forward, you know, in, in uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity among all peoples. Uh, which I think the why already does fantastic yet, but they want how can how else can we do that? Diversity, equity, inclusion. About half the people at my table uh, were not Christians. That's not me judging. Okay, they said as much, and I'm the pastor at the table. In this conversation, you you see, okay, and so uh, it was striking to them that it's not just that I tolerate equal opportunity, but like we're all in for it, right? <laughs> that we're not, and actually we have kind of a long history as Christians to be for it and to fight. For it, of course we welcome all people into our church. I want to scream to this. Of course we welcome every kind of person into our fellowship. If we'll take y'all, we'll take anybody. Amen. Okay, so our God, by the way, came up with the ideas of diversity and inclusion. I could prove it to you. I would love to prove it to you historically. It's not a new idea. We've been on this for centuries. Okay. A fundamental doctrine of Christianity is that every human is made in God's image. Every human has the imago Dei. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, after our likeness. Every human, no matter their skin color, sin tendency, no matter the language they speak, even if they're an Eagles fan, okay? Every human bears God's image, period. And we're all in on that. Uh, every human has value because, not because we say so or the culture, every human has value because God himself bestows it on them and makes us in his image. Uh, so now let me mention, uh, we need to get past the immature idea that we're never going to disagree. It's okay, okay? We need to get past that. Uh, we, we will sometimes disagree about important things. Disagreeing and judging are two separate issues. Uh, we can disagree and respect each other. We can disagree and see the imago Dei in each other. We can disagree and not become enemies, like we saw Jesus talk about last week. So let's, with that being the case, let's read uh, Luke 6, 37 to 42. Jesus himself says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over like spilling over a cup, will, uh, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told him a parable, went like this. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained, that's us one day, we're getting there, fully trained, will be like his or her teacher. Verse 41. Why? Why do you see the speck of dust that is in your brother's eye and you don't even notice the log that's in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck of dust out of your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck of dust that is in your brother's eye. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So as I was at that table with other YMCA leaders and people were kind of assuming a little bit that I would be hesitant to be in on inclusion of all people. Here's the thing, okay. Uh, People sometimes assume that Christians are judgmental because Christians are often judgmental. We we have a a history of including all people and fighting for women, all this. That's great, but we also have a history of looking down our noses at people, okay? And maybe there's a little bit less of that here because we're a new church or whatever, but this is a tendency in people in our faith that's in us that we have to confront head on today. If Redemption City is going to reach her potential, we have to be people of mercy. If we want to be set free emotionally and spiritually, we have to let Jesus change our hearts and our tendencies to desire from desiring, criticizing, and judging other people. So as we step into this this morning, don't just sit there and be like, man, I wish Aunt Sally was here. She is so judgy. Or like elbowing your partner, like, you hearing this? Okay, let's all, as Psalm 139 says, to see if there's any wicked way in me this morning. Let's all look at it. Look again at verses 37 and 38. Judge not, you will not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So our first observation this morning is just a principle we see all throughout the Bible. Jesus is showing us the principle of returning judgment. It's kind of all throughout the Bible. Now, Jesus is not preaching karma, of course, okay? He's showing you how the world works. Just like naturally, if you go around judging people, you will end up being judged. Your mom ever tell you what goes around comes around? Okay, uh, so when you judge others, that judgment just kind of ends up coming back on you. Have you ever noticed, especially like in office setting, People, like the person who gossips a lot ends up being gossiped about a lot. Have you noticed that? It's, that's how this works. In Romans 1, the Apostle Paul makes the case. He, he shows that the natural consequences of sin are the punishment for sin. Okay, so like if you cheat on your girlfriend and she breaks up with you, her breaking up with you is not God's punishment. That's you, buddy. Okay, that's the natural consequences of your sin coming back to roost, as it were. Okay, that's not God punishing you. It's the natural consequences of your sin. So if you judge others, it won't be long before you don't have flourishing relationships. Uh, you know, that's, again, that's not God punishing you. That's how this kind of works out. So that's why it says the measure you use will be measured to you. The Pharisees who were listening to Jesus' sermon here, they had a fundamental problem. One problem with three implications. Okay, so they misunderstood God. So them being judged and judgy is actually an implication of the problem. They misunderstood God. That was the issue. So then they judged themselves wrongly, judged others wrongly, and judged God wrongly. Kind of see how that works. It starts with theology actually ends up mattering. Okay. Now fast forward to the 21st century where we love to judge everything. Amen. So why do we love to judge things? Like why do we, so like at award shows, at the Oscars tonight, I can't wait. i, I I want to hope that nobody slaps somebody, but you never know what you're getting tonight, okay? At the Oscars tonight, so yeah, we want to see who won, but what we really can't wait for is when they cut to the loser's reactions. Why? What's in there, right? Have you ever thought about why America loves The Bachelor so much? 
Don't act like y'all don't watch it. They're, they're making a 93rd season for somebody in here. I don't know. Okay. So, but why do we love The Bachelor and shows like it? We love to judge and criticize the insane things that they do on camera. Okay. That's, and, and I know there is, there is a group that actually watched it together on Monday nights in here. I won't point to you, but that is true. How many of us will watch elite athletes while we're on the couch eating potato chips will be like, Zeke, the hole was there. What are you doing? Run through the hole. What's the, what, why is he calling a, why is the coach calling a run anyway? Call a pass. I didn't say it before the play started, but I knew we should have passed there. Like, what's the coach thinking? What's the, come on, guys. We just love that, right? We love to criticize. We live in a culture of criticism. And it's interesting, the power dynamics of our world have shifted, okay? So customer reviews are more powerful than expensive brand marketing. That's new. Uh, Social media is more powerful than traditional news outlets. So, uh, you know, criticism has been decentralized. So in the first 5,000 years of recorded human history, there were about 300 million people who wrote to an audience. Today, about 5 billion people have an audience that they can speak to. And then we do. We all have things to criticize and judge and get that out there. You know, we may not have any plumbers in 20 years because everybody's a content creator now. Okay, it's great. So, but again, criticism has been decentralized and our opportunities for criticism, they're abundant. And we take the internet up on it. And so we, we go after it. And I think criticism and judgmentalism are first cousins. Okay, you know, be careful of developing your critical spirit because a critical spirit and a judgmental spirit are like peanut butter and jelly, man. They go together. And so we have to fight these attitudes and postures. So again, so we see the the principle of returning judgment. Judgment's bad for you and living in Jesus' way is better. So for example, y'all probably, well, in case you don't know, we, we receive food pantry items every Sunday. Adrian Martinez brings uh, a, a box in the lobby we put, you know, so any Sunday you can bring it, by the way, I guess I'll make an announcement while we're here, any Sunday, so we, we do that, and so yeah, so we do that to help people in Jesus' name, so Adrian and others go and serve people, and they give it out, that's great, but I don't know if you, you ever noticed, but when you do stuff like that, it really feels good, like it's really fulfilling, we don't do it for that feeling, but when, you know, the world promises us all these things, if you, if you do this and buy this and be this, you're really going to be happy. It ends up making us want more. It's never really satisfying. But when you live out Jesus's way, you're like, oh, this, th- there is something to this. Well, what's more enjoyable, blessing somebody or criticizing somebody? So where should we spend our time? And also, if you just think about it, to, to really be critical and judging of people who you're trying to reach for Jesus doesn't make a ton of sense. It really doesn't. This is why Jesus, you know, his harshest words were for religious people. He didn't go out into the highways and byways, as we used to say, and really just get on them about their sin. He confronted religious people. That's in Matthew 23. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, religious people, you hypocrites. Same word he used here in Luke 6. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, like slamming the door in their faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would go in. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? That's pretty harsh. And he's speaking to religious people. Nothing makes Jesus matter than religious, than his people, you know, uh, being judgmental. Okay, nothing makes him matter than us being judgmental Pharisees instead of Christ-like Christians. Nothing makes him matter. And, you know, we're not just called to love unchurched people, but to actually like them. You know, I, you know, we're always talking about, like, who are you inviting? Who are you reaching out to? But have any unchurched people invited you somewhere recently? Do they like you? 
Because Jesus, he was getting, you know, RSVP requests all the time. People invited him to parties all the time because they like being around him, right? Acts of mercy bring life. Judgmentalism, judgmentalism cannot bring life. It can't. A culture of mercy brings life. A culture of judgment brings death. Yes, to those around us, but also in our own hearts. If you enact mercy to those around you, life springs forth from your own heart. If you enact judgment, death surrounds you, right? And so mercy is not passive, it's proactive. This is why, like, this is why by the way, Mr. Rogers is such an icon again. We're making movies about him, all this, and uh, Ted Lasso is such a favorite. People are exhausted with the outrage. They're exhausted with the constant criticism, even though they're participating. Our culture is starved for mercy and kindness, and we get to be agents of kindness and agents of mercy in our city. That's who we are. There is nothing more tragic in the whole world than for people to hear rumors of mercy than to show up and then to be judged in its place. There's nothing more tragic, and that's a team effort. We are all responsible to show patient love to people who God brings into our church. That's up to all of us, okay? Second observation, look at 41 and 42 again. Why do you see the little bitty speck of dust in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? I'll stop there. So here's the observation. Notice your sin before critiquing their sin. Now, I'm not saying never, ever, ever critique someone else's sin. We'll get to that in a moment. But notice your sin first. Have you ever, like, yelled at somebody in traffic and then you did the same thing eight seconds later? Okay. Uh, Jesus asks a really searching question here. Why? That's, the, that's really the, the, the question there. Why do you see the dust in their eye and don't even notice the lie? Like, how can you focus on their sin when your sin is so obvious? There's this tiny little speck of dust in your brother's eye, and there's a log in my eye, and I focus on him. Why do we do this? It's not logical, okay? There must be something a little deeper going on. And so I think we notice their sin before my sin for two reasons, pride and shame. And both are toxic for your soul. Uh, the pride or shame within me spills onto other people. The old saying is true, hurt people hurt people, you know? And so pride, you know, a lot of Christians have forgotten what it was like to be lost. I know some Christians that don't think they were ever lost, it seems, and so they think maybe they saved themselves. But I think the longer that you walk with Jesus, the more aware of God's grace you should become, right? But a lot of times, people who've been Christians a long time get meaner. I can't explain that. And I think what, what happens is we end up spending a lot of our lives post-coming to Christ thinking, well, it's me and Jesus' work. It's my work and his work. Together, Jesus, we can do it. But that's not the case at all. It's all him. Okay, it's all him. Any good that comes out of us, the Bible says, it's his imputed righteousness coming out of us. And so obedience to Jesus should not produce pride, but humility, you know? So quickly we go from being the woman at the well to judging the woman at the well, you know? You know, I've noticed, I've experienced actually, when, you, when I'm looking down on other people, it's really hard to look up to God in repentance, and that's what Jesus is attacking here in Luke chapter 6. He's not saying to never call sin, sin. That's not what he's saying. That's a biblical command that we, that we shouldn't avoid. He's telling us to be people of mercy and to be salt and light. And really, the other side of that coin is we don't have to be fake together. We don't have to act like we have it all together. We get to allow other people to speak into our lives. With transparency and honesty, we can be we, we can step into, you know, we, we can expose sin that's in our hearts and lives, and we can actually, you know, uh, let people help us out. We don't have to act like we're perfect. The Bible tells us to rebuke and correct a fellow believer in the church who is in sin, and that is loving, okay? 
ideally, you have enough people in your life who love you to help you through and out of the things that, that you're dealing with in your heart and life. As we all know, a real friend tells you when you got some in your teeth. A real friend does that, okay? So help each other out. That's not the same as being judgmental, okay? So I think the second reason that we notice their sin instead of my sin is shame. And, you know, judging their sin kind of gives me an excuse and some relief from paying attention to the log in my eye. It gives me some relief from that for just a moment. You know, so much that we do, you guys, y'all, excuse me, uh, so much that we do really is out of pain. It really is. And so maybe I feel condemned deep down, and I don't feel quite as bad in the moment that I'm condemning you. Um, Jesus wants to set you free from that. He loves you so much that he wants to set you free from that shame in your past. A friend told me recently, he, he explained it like this. He said, I, I understand that God's forgiven me, but I don't feel like it. I don't, so if you're constantly judging people, that may be coming from a sense of shame from something you've done or been in the past. Deal with that shame. Okay, repent and fall into the soft pillow of God's mercy and grace. He wants, he's waiting there with open arms, we sang this morning. That's what it means for Jesus to be your rest. He receives your sin and you get his rest. It's a pretty good deal this morning. So face the shame. It'll, you'll hurt a lot less people, as it were, and it's better for you too. Okay, so we'd love to walk alongside you in any of that. We really care about you. I love what Kat said last week, if you were here in the 1030 service. She was about to pray and she goes, I just really love every single person in here. We really do care about you. We really do love you. So let us in and let, let us, you know, walk through things together. So are you critical and judgy because you feel shame? Are you expressing pain? Evaluate your behavior out of the heart. The mouth speaks the scripture. So, so what's your heart saying? And while we're on the subject, there is mercy for your mistake. There is. Um, somebody in here, you know, I'm coming at y'all about judging people this morning. Somebody, your world's falling apart. And I just want to remind you, Jesus is for you, we're for you, and there's mercy for your mistake. Um, one of my favorite authors, Ed Wells, he says this on Jesus and shame. He says, I, as I studied the Bible, I was startled by how those that society deemed worthless were Jesus' favorites. Our God moves toward the hurting, toward the sinner, toward the shame. The Lord is our keeper, our healer, our shelter. The Lord is our light, our salvation, our shepherd, our refuge. The Lord is our peace. The Lord is our rock. Everything we need him to be, he's always been. He, there's mercy for your mistake. Jesus is moving toward you right now. Our third observation for the day, I need to address my sin. Not just notice, but I need to address my sin before I address their sin. I think that I can make a difference when I judge you. The, dif the real difference I can make is when I give my, uh, my heart and life to God. Let God change me. Uh, of course, again, this doesn't mean we neglect the parts of Scripture where we rebuke a brother or sister in Christ, but even when you rebuke somebody, it's mindful of that log in your eye. Okay, so... <laughs> Pastor Jeffrey, man, I've been needing to talk to you about something. Um, I've been noticing how you've been talking to Elder Ed, and you know how sensitive he is, and so you need to quit. You, do you notice how absurd that would be? By the way, one of the reasons that's so hilarious is Jeff, Pastor Jeffrey is probably the, like, the most like, kind man in the world, and I'm not, okay? And so, so for me just to go at him and say, be kind, that doesn't make a lot of sense. With that log over my eye, Cole and I got that this morning, by the way. So, with, so again, it doesn't mean that I never confront a brother in sin, okay? 
He's not in sin or anything. But it, it doesn't mean that. It means that I'm really going to approach him very differently knowing the log that's in my eye. It means that, I'm, you know, if, it doesn't mean that I'm never going to confront anybody, but I just, I'm hyper aware in a very humble way that there is a very noticeable log. You know, so when I'm aware of my own sin, I'm a lot less likely to judge Gen Z as this unrealistic dreamers, and I'm more likely to encourage them and then look at how I can transform within, right? All these different things. Jesus isn't saying, be perfect before you tell anybody about me. That's not what he's saying, okay? He's saying, don't act like you're perfect. Don't be judgmental. Jesus' brother James says that mercy triumphs over judgment. Very purposeful. Triumph indicates a battle. For mercy to burst forth in our life, it will have to defeat something. That something is judgment. Judgment and mercy are at war in your heart right now. Mercy must defeat the desire to judge, to criticize, the desire to point out the fault. Um, The way of mercy is the way of Jesus. So how? Great. Okay, I don't want to be judgy. I don't want to criticize. Like, what do I do now, though? So to walk, what do I do to walk away from a critical spirit, to walk away from being judgmental like the Pharisees? How do I be an agent of mercy on my street, in my office, at my school, in my home? We got four kind of things to think about, okay? Uh, one, read the Bible with the intention to obey. I might even change that to study the Bible with an intention to obey. The Bible will transform you. And we wrote that specifically, like, so, yes, read the Bible, but read it with the intention to obey. Whatever it says, I'm going to do. Okay? Second, pray for the person instead of judging. Ooh, okay. You're like, she's wearing that today? Nope. Uh, God, I pray right now. Okay? okay. He, he did what? Okay, you know what, God? Thank you so much for this. Bro- okay, okay. So instead of when that judgmental thought comes into your head, pray for him. It'll change the way. Okay? Third, replace some social media time with praying for people by name. Who's somebody? It's just kind of natural for you to roll your eyes about what they post, wear, or say. Write their name down and replace some social media time with praying for that person. It's amazing how God changes your heart when you pray for somebody. Uh, And fourth, conduct a spec removal assessment. I I don't think I've told you all this. Uh, A couple of guys that are aspiring to be preachers, we meet on Tuesday afternoons to they, and they helped me prepare the sermon. And actually, when I first started it, I thought I was going to really train them. And I, I do a little bit, but they helped me with a lot of great content. They came up with this, okay? The speck removal assessment. So before you approach someone to help them remove that speck of dust of sin in their eye, you ask yourself questions like this. Is the weakness that I see in this person something that's in me? Now, that, that doesn't mean that you never, ever, ever address them, but you address them differently now, okay? It, again, in fact... A sin that I see some, another brother struggling with, I can speak to it in an even better way, but I, I'm very, very careful. I need to be very, we, you, I need to be very, very careful to uh, be very humble in that. So is this a weakness that I see or a sin I see in this person also in me? Second, will this correction hinder or help their growth? Am I being compassionate? You want a pastoral lens on it. Ask the person to share his or her story before you really kind of go at them. You know, I've noticed it's a lot harder to be judgy on someone when I know their background. Always, without exception, that's true. Uh, Somebody who you just cannot understand why they do what they do, and then you find out about maybe like a tough childhood or a recent or, or really tough trial they faced, and their shortcomings suddenly become more understandable. 
you know? Uh, your heart softens from judgy to compassionate. You go from just wanting to point out the dust in their eye to wanting to walk them through the storm that got that dust there in the first place. 